I can hear some of you thinking, um, not another message on money. <laughs> and um, actually, if I'm honest, I've actually got some sympathy with you <laughs> for the simple reason that we have had, not last week, but the two previous weeks, uh, two excellent messages. Uh, firstly, on generosity from uh, Tim from Trinity Church down in Collingdale. Um, excellent message on generosity, how to use money. And then two weeks ago, uh, Jonathan spoke about stewardship. And again, started, uh, he, he talked uh, about a passage that Jesus um, had, uh, that had taught uh, the people. And I'm thinking to myself, what more can I add? Uh, to what has already been said. But that is my brief this morning. And it is the third of uh, three talks, three messages, uh, under the title of Christ in the Crisis. And it's Christ in the Crisis of the Cost of Living Crisis, which we are all uh, in the middle of right now. So this morning, I want to very simply look at another passage, a very short passage, uh, that Jesus taught uh, thousands of people. It's part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to just look at six verses and just pick out a couple of things from that. And we're going to look at uh, really, um, really to sort of try and summarise everything that's been said over the previous week, just to, I suppose, highlight what is your priority when it comes to money? What is your motivation? Uh, we'll come to the passage that Jesus um, wrote, and I'd like a couple of people in a minute just to help me with reading that. But um, I, at the very end, there's going to be a time of response. And during that time, or after that time, we're going to um, mention some very practical ways if anyone is actually uh, in uh, struggling in these areas and we can give we will try and uh, put you in the right direction or try and even help ourselves so um, if you are in that situation I just want to say there is absolutely no shame about that because there are people and organizations around that can help but before we get to that, I just want to lift our, our faith, lift our eyes, lift our focus onto what Jesus said about money, because I do believe that he brings principles that will actually liberate the way that we have money. And it doesn't matter if you've got a lot of money or whether you've got very little. Um, the Bible talks about the fact that it's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. And so that's where I'm hoping to come from this morning. So I just want two very brave volunteers to read um, one from the New International Version, Matthew 6, 19 to 24, and one from what's called the Message Translation, which is a very up-to-date one. Can I just have two people who can just come and help me out here? That's the, that's the first one, and that's the second one. Thanks ever so much. Wow, hello. Uh, Matthew six nineteen to 24, NIV version. Treasures in heaven, 
Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted toward the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Thank you. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a musty cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. Thanks very much. Okay. I must apologise, first of all, that we don't have a PowerPoint presentation today. If you're used to PowerPoint presentations, then I'm sorry. <laughs> You'll have to listen. Um, but seriously, um, we haven't got one, but I just hope and pray that uh, something will touch our hearts uh, from a God this morning. So thank you for reading those passages. And those, those words were actually said by Jesus in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And um, we're just concentrating on money particularly. I just want to say a few things. There's literally four, three, or five, three or four statements about money. Money in itself is neutral. It's actually neither good or bad. Uh, Jesus doesn't deny that money makes an excellent servant, but he actually warns us that it also makes for a terrible master, which is what we'll be looking at a little bit today. Money actually defines people. Society looks up to the, looks up to the rich, and that song that we uh, listened to by ABBA, which was written and sung back, way back in the 1970s, touched a nerve in that generation, but it also touches a nerve in our generation, in this 21st century, because we look up to the rich in, this, in our culture. And uh, if someone has got money, they are a celebrity. And um, so that song is all about uh, the, the desire of somebody to, to having uh, money. And um, uh, I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? 
And still there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. Money, money, money must be funny in a rich man's world. Money, 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 always sunny in a rich man's world. Aha, aha, all the things I could do if I had a little money in a rich man's world. That was the, they were the words, they were the lyrics of this song um, that, uh, that, that was very popular back uh, around about the end of the 1970s. But uh, money can actually do also a lot of good. So I just want to try and bring the balance that money isn't bad. It's, it can be very good. Um, but what Jesus is saying is it's the love of money uh, that is extremely dangerous. So we're looking at, very, very simply, uh, verse 19, uh, do not store up for yourself treasure on earth. Verse 20, store up treasure for yourself in heaven. Verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And verse 24, you cannot serve God and mammon. And I felt as I was preparing this that I just wanted to explore that word mammon a bit more because it's not a word that we use in our generation. It's not a word that is, is talked about in, in our culture. Um, but in, in, in biblical times, mammon would have been something, a word that would have been normal. The actual word mammon comes from the Greek word mammon onas, I believe. Um, or so I'm told, but translated it means money, wealth, or material possessions. And again, in, in biblical uh, culture, uh, the word mammon, uh, I understand, often carried a negative connotation. It was sometimes used to describe all lusts and excesses, gluttony, greed, and dishonest worldly gain. Ultimately, mammon described an idol of materialism which many trusted as a foundation for their world and philosophy. Much the same as today, you might say. And I think I would have to agree with you. So where is your... Uh, what is in your heart this morning? What is, what is it that consumes you most? Because Jesus said that where your treasure is, where... That things that consume you uh, will uh, you be in danger of making that uh, uh, into mammon, into God. Terry Virgo, who is the founder of the uh, New Frontiers movement of churches, of which we are a part, he says this, we continually make choices based on what we value. We spend time, money, energy on what really matters to us. I'll repeat that. We continually make choices based on what we value. We spend time, money, energy on what really matters to us. And I think that is so true. And that is a challenge I find as well. Who will you serve? Will you serve God or mammon? And Jesus is saying, you choose. <laughs> you choose. He didn't tell them. He gave them the guidelines. You choose. We each have that choice to make. So I just want to look at three areas uh, where there are dangers to mammon and what Jesus' response is. It's not going to cover everything, but uh, it will, I hope, focus our minds a little bit closer onto God. 
So number one is, Mammon calls us actually to be very short-sighted. But Jesus restores our long-term vision. I've had cataract operations a few years ago, and I can now see longer. I don't need glasses. I need some short, short things nearby. But from a distance, I can see very, very well, whereas before I couldn't. And uh, that, is, that is what mammon does. It calls us to be short-sighted. It uh, teaches us to become insular in our thinking. And, um, uh, but we forget that, uh, that these things rust, decay, get stolen. See, mammon wants to dazzle us with the glitz of earthly treasures. That's what, that's what it does. That's what it promises or seeks to promise. But Jesus calls us to throw that all away for the sake of the kingdom. See, Jesus was actually tempted in this area, I believe, as well. If you look at Matthew 4, just the page before what we've been reading, he was tempted by the devil. And it said, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. You see, that's what Satan wants to do with us. He wants us to bow down and basically worship him in our lives because he seems to promise so much. If you bow down and worship me. And Jesus' response is very interesting. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. So how do we lay up treasures in heaven? (laughs) Is it something that is in the never-never? Is it something that is sort of up there somewhere? Um, How can we equate that? How can we actually um, put that in practical terms? And this is where... I, I get help from a guy called Tom Wright. He's written some excellent um, uh, books um, called, um, well, this one's Matthew for Everyone. Um, goes all the way through the New Testament. Jonathan is very keen on this guy. And um, so I borrowed the book from him. And this is what he says about, Tom Wright says about treasure in heaven. He said... Uh, First, Jesus points out the difference between two sorts of treasure. As with the other references to heaven and earth, we we shouldn't imagine that he means, don't worry about this life, get ready for the next one. Heaven, here in this passage, is where God is right now, and where if you learn to love and serve God right now, you will have treasure in the present, not just in the future. Very interesting. Of course, Jesus, like almost all Jews of his day, believed that after death, God would have a wonderful future in store for his faithful people. But they didn't normally refer to that future as heaven. Again, very interesting. He wanted his followers to establish heavenly treasure now. That's not a bad thing, is it? So that's what I'm trying to let's, let's make some uh, heavenly treasure now. Treasure that you could enjoy in the present as well as in the future Treasure that wasn't subject to the problems that face all earthly hordes. How can one do this? Well, the whole chapter, chapter 6 of Matthew, uh, gives us a clue. Learn to live in the presence of the loving Father. Learn to do everything for him and him alone. Get your priorities right. 
And uh, that might sound a little bit strong, but I think actually Tom Wright's got a point. Get your priorities right. And the whole chapter leading up to this passage uh, that we've looked at this morning talks about three things. First of all, giving to the needy, giving, which we've been looked at a couple of weeks ago, prayer and fasting. So they're three, the three things that immediately precedes Jesus' teaching on this subject of money. And uh, I think that's a, a key because I do believe, and it's, it's sort of come to me a bit more this week somehow, that uh, our giving, our praying, our fasting actually are like massive attacks on the enemy of our soul because they, they, they make us sacrifice something of ourselves for the sake of the kingdom. Uh, giving, prayer... How often do we find prayer a struggle? Uh, fasting, again, these are things which are not glossy, but this is how I believe Jesus is trying to explain uh, to those who are listening to him uh, how they can build up treasure on earth. You see, we, we want an answer. We want, to, uh, we want to, to do a review about how our, our giving, our praying, our fasting, uh, what impact has it had now? But Jesus' uh, uh, thing is... Uh, look beyond that and um, so I just uh, I, I just think there's something there uh, for us this morning um, that we can store up heaven so every prayer you pray today is you are storing up treasure in heaven and I believe I'm just I just it's dawned on me this week so I'm just thinking Lord I just need to do I just need to explore this more um, and believe that, that my praying uh, and giving, whenever we give, like, we, uh, like we've been doing this morning, for doing that encouragement to, to give, um, it's, it's uh, uh, the enemy would say, you, you can do so much more with that. Uh, why bother to give time to pray? Why give time to fast? Or oh, what about this bit of money here? No, 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 no. I believe that, that Jesus is trying to uh, help us to focus on what our priorities are. Otherwise, um, we will be struggling. Anyway, the second thing is, besides mammon calls us to be short-sighted, mammon calls us to be greedy, but Jesus teaches us to be generous. And um, in the middle of this passage, there's an interesting thing about good eyes and bad eyes. And um, that again, just go back to the Hebrew, it's a Hebrew phrase, bad eye describes a coveter or a hoarder, and a good-eyed person describes a content and generous person. Um, so Jesus is encouraging us to be good eyes because how we look at our possessions infects or disinfects the rest of our lives. You see, Mammon will tell us that a little more will satisfy. I can't remember who it was said. I think it was one of the Rockefeller families in the USA when he was asked... Um, are you happy? And he said, uh, well, I'd just like a little bit more money. Well, of course, he was one of the richest men uh, in the world. Um, but he just said, just a little bit more and I'll be happy. But when he gets that, it'll be a little bit more. And then he gets that, oh, yeah, but I'm still not satisfied. I'm still not content because I want more. And so Mammon tells us that a little more will satisfy. But Jesus warns that greed simply corrupts a person from the inside out. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. 
The Apostle Paul affirmed Jesus' teaching in 1 Timothy 6.10 when he said, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That was obviously written 2,000 years ago, but it sounds remarkably true <laughs> today as well. Um, Tim Keller, uh, who was a very respected uh, American uh, a Christian leader, says this, while secular individualism says that your money belongs to you, the Bible says that all your money belongs to God, who entrusts it to you. And, and uh, Jonathan touched on this a lot when he spoke two weeks ago. And it goes on, you have moral obligations to both God and your neighbour to use your money unselfishly and with great generosity to love others with it according to your own ability and to their needs. Philippians 4, verses 11 12 says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. It's interesting, isn't it? We quote that verse, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, but the context is being content, whatever the circumstances. What a word that is for us today, being content. I, I, I confess I struggle with that. And... Uh, I, it's, I just need to, to pick that up in my spirit. I think actually, I think generally, I think I generally have come to the stage in, in my life now where, where the love of money does not have a hold on me. And I don't say that lightly because in years ago it was, it, it did. I worked in a bank, you know, money, money, money <laughs> every day, plenty of it. Um, the more the better. You looked after the rich. We did. Um, <laughs> that's the way it was. But I think over the years I've learned that actually uh, it doesn't have a hold, and I'm so grateful for that. And um, the answer uh, to greed is to be generous and to not let money take its hold on us. And then thirdly, mammon can call us, cause us to worry, but Jesus tells us to trust now, this is a tricky one. If you are in a financially difficult situation, how do you trust when you are struggling? Mammon calls us to worry, maybe even be fearful, but Jesus tells us to trust. You see, Mammon seeks to replace God as our source of security, which is why the opposite of loving money is to rely on God's promise. And he says in Hebrews 15, verse 5, Jesus says, never will I leave you? Never will I forsake you. The Lord is my helper, I shall not be prayed. You see, mammon is such a terrible master because its unstable provision goes up with what's happening around in the world, with what's happening on the money markets, with what's happening in the stock exchange, with what's happening uh, around us economically. But Jesus is very clear in Matthew 13, verse 22. He says, The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth chokes it, making it unfruitful. I wonder what my response would have been if I had actually been alive when Jesus 
said those words, um, whether it's those passages in Matthew 6 or those words, if I was one who had money, I wonder what my response would be. What a cheat. Doesn't he understand? You see, what worries us masters us. You see, do you think that Jesus is out of touch when he tells us not to worry? Oh, it's all right for you, you know. Does he not understand? No, no. He simply says that he is here for you. He invites us to put our trust in him. I just wonder, have you put your trust in Jesus this morning? Have you come to that place where you've been here this morning or maybe you're seeking God in some way and, but it doesn't quite seem to add up and yet something, maybe this morning, something in the worship, something of what the, the truth of what's been coming out about, uh, God being awesome and great and loving has touched your spirit. You see, it says very simply in, in John 3 verse 16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And Jesus tells us in the context, I think, uh, again, uh, in, in, uh, he, he spoke this to his uh, disciples just the day before he died, the day before he was crucified. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We're coming to the end now. You see, Jesus sets a radical creed for his servants to follow in this mammon-worshipping world that we live in. It's a radical creed. But for those of us who seek to follow Jesus, the challenge is to make our money work for his kingdom. And again, I just refer back to what Tim shared uh, three weeks ago. If you haven't listened to those messages or you did, just revisit them, listen to them again. You see, it can be and probably is a costly way of living. But more, no more so than the way of Jesus it says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, as, For as you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes <clears throat> he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. Jesus is saying that money gives orders. It bosses you around. If you have your priorities right, there is only one boss, and that is God himself. So the challenge for us today, who will you choose, God or mammon? Let's pray. I'm just going to ask Robin if he'll just come back and play in the background. Just, I believe there's just three areas I want to... Uh, call us in to pray together and then after that we'll um, just briefly share about some practical ways that maybe if you're in that situation we can help and um, so let's just pray 
Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you revealed yourself in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that when he came to this earth, when he walked on this earth, that you, uh, that he shared your heart with anyone who was prepared to listen. And so we just receive these words and ask that you will speak what you want us to in your heart. I pray for those who are fearful this morning. I don't want a public response, but if, if you're fearful and worried, then I want to pray that you will know the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and that his promise is true that he will never leave you. And I want to pray for those who may be actually thinking, yeah, actually, I do have that love of money. And I just want to pray, Lord, that for those who have that, that there would be perhaps repentance in their heart, but also just a desire to lay all that they do have in front of you, before you, as they kneel before you, and that, uh, that you will just grant them uh, a fresh uh, vision of uh, being able to realize that everything they have is given by you. And there will be a freedom to give and be generous. Oh Lord, we just pray that you will speak into our hearts your name would be honoured and glorified. I pray there would be a spirit of generosity amongst us in the church as well, that we would be those who are willing to share what we have with others, that you would help us in practical ways and different ways to, uh, to help and support. So we just commit this time to you. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, just um, before we do anything else, I will just get Jane to come up and explain one way in which um, if, you, if you are in that situation of wanting to chat your situation through financially, that um, we may be able to help. Yeah, I just want to mention the food bank. Of course, we've got a, our box downstairs, so for, for any week, you know, just one thing from everybody or something that can afford it. I'll put a, a tin or something in. So that's there every week. But um, I want to say that if anyone is struggling, it's no shame to use a food bank. Um, if you are in, everybody's in a different situation. And there are times when we've, we've got money, but then there's times when, wow, a big bill comes in or something, or end of the month, you, you haven't. And so any time you come to me and I can give you a food bank a voucher so we've done it before for people and there's no shame in it you know it just happens it's life and uh, so I can easily issue a voucher to help tide you over um, yeah and again no shame in that there's no 
you know, not to be embarrassed. And it can only be me that knows if you have you know. And um, I think that's, that's it, really. Uh, yeah, and it's not just people that are unemployed that we see at the food bank. We see people with regular jobs, but just suddenly one month you hit a brick wall with, with bills and things. I mean, this, I mean you're going to cover other, other ways of getting help, aren't you? You're going to cover other ways of getting help? Other ways of getting help. I mean, I will I'll say also, as well as um, practical and helping with food bank voucher, we're also in touch with other organisations that can give you advice because some people don't know about what benefits they're missing out on that they could be um, claiming. So again, just come to me. Yeah, talk to a trusted friend. There are leaders around who will um, who, who will be able to help, be able to guide. And um, I'm sure as a church, we're going to be challenged about how to be generous to one another. I'd love this discussion to go on a bit more to see how in, in different ways. We, we'll see about that. Um, so if you don't want to, you know, to... to uh, to, to go publicly to the food bank or something then talk to somebody else first actually I will just mention one other uh, group that have great success in this area and it's a, a Christian group called Christians Against Poverty and they have an incredible success rate of helping people and um, I know someone who's, who, who works or who volunteers for that organisation uh, it's actually been on TV um, a couple of years ago some of the stories that have come out from that and it all started with a man who was in debt, uh, or a couple who were in debt, and how God uh, came into their lives, and how now they uh, help uh, thousands around the country. So again, that's anonymous. If you want to do it that way, just Google Christians in Poverty. There's uh, the people all over, the, um, all around uh, the areas here as well. Sorry? Yeah, Trinity Church have got uh, uh, Christians Against Poverty um, uh, facility. So that's very close. <laughs> okay, thanks. I'm sorry to bring some practical things, but I just thought it might be helpful because someone said to me last week, we haven't covered anything about what you actually do if you are in a financial situation. And I just want to reiterate, there really is no shame uh, in this. It is tough. It is hard. And um, uh, I think I've learned that there, uh, I know how to have had much. I've also known how to have little and um, so I'm no brilliant expert at, at all this, but uh, I do believe that God will help us. Um.